It is the final Sunday, bloody Sunday edition of the Matt Barry Show, ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I am Matt Barry. Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh, final weekend in October with the first college football playoff rankings coming out on Monday or Tuesday. Wow. That's a dollar. Tuesday, Halloween night. Also Nick Saban's birthday. Uh, today's elixir, cornichons, cornicons, some extra hot sauce in it. And because we're embarking on month two and a half of the season, I had to go turkey bacon today. Like I can't keep going regular bacon. So turkey bacon is where we're going for at least the bacon flavor minus the clogged arteries. I want to start off as I always do. Cheers to my alma mater, Arizona State. This is why I love this show because we can all cheer for our alma mater. That's why we love the game. Helmet, helmet, Pat Tillman. Kenny Dillingham got his first win in the Pac-12 against Washington State. So they've been fighting all year. They were one and six. Cheers. I love seeing them fight and get the win. A rare moment of solidarity with my rival. Cheers to Arizona and Jed Fish, what he's building. They took down our 11th-ranked Oregon State in the wee hours of the morning, which kept us up much later than we wanted to be on college football final, but it's part of the job. And we absolutely love it. What a Saturday it was. I said before the weekend started that chaos is coming. Chaos is coming and chaos landed in Lawrence, Kansas. Wet, cold, 30 degree day, 45 minute lightning delay. And the first time Kansas has beaten Oklahoma since I believe 1997. An absolute historic day for Lance Leipold of the Kansas Jayhawks. Really throwing a wrench in the Big 12 and what they are trying to do with getting a college football playoff team in there. You can't have Oklahoma, who is ranked sixth and undefeated, coming off the big win against Texas, and then losing to a good Kansas team on the road. And I say that because with the Big 12, they haven't had the most ranked teams this year. It's been a struggle for them to get any kind of ranked team and have a number of teams in the top uh, 25 for a while, it was just Oklahoma and Texas. And then Kansas, and then they bounced out. I think Kansas State's going to be ranked again. But point being, the Big 12 couldn't afford one of their top teams to go down in a game where they were heavily favored, which Oklahoma was. And because of it, now you need other things to happen around you. You need Kansas to keep winning. You need Kansas State to keep winning. Oklahoma and Texas need to keep win winning. winning. Wow. And Texas needs to, while Quinn Ewers is still getting healthy, they need him and Malik Murphy to stay afloat because we're staring at now after Saturday, the big 12, not having a team in a college football playoff. I do want to give Kansas a superlative. That's what I was looking up. Uh, first win against an AP top team since 2008. That was in the orange bowl, 18 game losing streak to Oklahoma. I mean, so many things happened for Kansas on Saturday. So congratulations to Lance Leipold. And Rock Chalk Chayhawk, cheers to you guys. I know it's been a long time coming uh, for Kansas to get that win. But big picture, Big 12's got to be careful. You have two teams right now that are playoff contention, and one of them just took a hit. Same for the Pac-12, got to be careful. Oregon State goes down last night uh, to Arizona. USC's already eliminated from the college football playoff picture. Washington was living dangerously again against Stanford. They ended up getting the win. And Oregon, to me, the most complete performance in their win against Utah on Saturday, eliminating Utah from the college football playoff conversation. 
and really, again, making it a two-team race between Oregon and Washington. And I think that's where we are when you look at some of these leagues. The SEC, the Big Ten are the healthiest in terms of multiple teams that could get in the college football playoff. A lot's going to be settled with Alabama LSU this weekend. Georgia, absolutely dominant against Florida. I've completely changed my tune on Georgia, and I want to make this clear. I never thought Georgia wasn't a top five team. My argument with Georgia was that I wouldn't just slide them in at number one based on what they had done the past two years because so much was gone to the NFL. I was never saying Georgia wasn't a top five team. I was merely saying to rank them number one based on this year was a little bit misguided because a lot of the last two years was going getting paid millions of dollars to play pro football. So the second that Georgia, who reloads every year with five stars, proves that in a game of adversity that they can dominate their opponent, they're there. They're top 14. They're back to who they were. And that's what would happen Saturday in the cocktail party between the dominance they had without Brock Bowers, which I thought was huge. I thought Carson Beck needed to have a grow-up game. Like Brock Bowers, my binky, he's gone. He's hurt. We're going to be without him four to six weeks. I needed to see a young quarterback step up and use his other weapons. Lad McConkey, Dejon Edwards, they did that. They looked really, really good. And because of it, they are now, I wouldn't be surprised, probably if I had to guess playoff rankings, I'd still say Ohio State 1, Florida State 2, Georgia 3. But overall, my opinion on Georgia is like proven, done. You've got just as much talent as you did last year. Put them in the top four. They're going to have to play their way out. Missouri's up next. Then Ole Miss. They've got a game against Tennessee and likely the SEC championship against either Alabama, Ole Miss. Well, they'll play Ole Miss, so that'll cancel each other out. But either Alabama or LSU, which is happening this weekend. And so there are so many scenarios now as we get to November that are going to be really entertaining to watch. And so for me, for Georgia, look, man, you did it. Your quarterback is really, really good. You're really, really talented again. Welcome into the top four. Once again, you've, you've, you've proven your bona fides after losing so many guys to the NFL. Uh, Alabama and LSU, customary bye week heading into their game. Tennessee, I wish I knew more about them and that what are they really, they run the ball really well. There are times where Milton looks like a first-round draft pick. They have some football left to play, but I just don't know enough about who Tennessee is because last year it was easy. It was Hendon and Hooker. They were high flying. They played just enough defense to get by. And by the way, I mean, we're on the year anniversary of Tennessee being ranked number one in the initial college football playoff rankings. So the SEC kind of true to form yesterday, the big one coming up next week. Cannot wait to watch that because it usually is the game uh, that dictates the rest of the way in the SEC. Miami, I want to bring up Miami and Virginia because Miami – had a third straight overtime win and a second straight year of beating Virginia in overtime. No one lives more dangerously than Miami and Mario Cristobal, but they found a way to win. And I bring that up because you're talking about schools that are trying to build programs. I think Miami is one of those ones that's trying to build programs. I called Virginia Tech on Thursday night. Brent Pry is trying to build that program to get it back among the elite. And Mike Norvell segue is a guy that had to do that in his first couple of years at Florida state where for a while it looked bleak. It looked really, really bad for Norvell, but little by little patience won. 
He went to the portal, brought in Keon Coleman. Jordan Travis is one of the great leaders in college football. And he has the ACC and Florida State well-positioned to get back into the college football playoff. And with what's going on at Clemson, four and four for the first time since 2010 or 2011, the ACC needs a team in. And now when you look across the country, SEC, barring an absolute collapse, they're getting one in, maybe two. The Big Ten, you could argue like last year that Ohio State and Michigan could get in. So that's at least two, maybe three. So where's that other playoff team come from? Florida State needs to keep winning. I had already touched on the Big 12's troubles. In the Pac-12, you would like to think either Oregon or Washington are getting in. But we're now getting to the point where if the chaos clips the right team, I find that this last month is going to be so fascinating. One of the best we've ever seen because we, we, we've, we've seen it from day one, how wide open this college football season is. Last Saturday in October, Oklahoma gets got. We've got four weeks of this thing left. What's in store for some of these teams that have been living dangerously? Ole Miss, by the way, 7-1, and 4-1 and one in the league. You can't count them out of it. I mean, there are so many angles you could take with what's ahead in the finale of this college football season. I do want to bring up Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. Uh, they took care of business against South Carolina 30-17. to 17. I know a lot of people after the game were all fired up about Jimbo saying we want to make it uh, back to a bowl game again um, when they have SEC championship-type talent. Look, the guy makes a lot of money. You can't fault him for that. They offered it. He signed it. Every single one of us would. The patience I know for Texas A&M people is wearing thin. But I'm going to give it a big but. You people say, when I say it takes time, you're like, well, he's been there seven, eight years. I get that. But it's not like Texas A&M waltzed into the Big Ten West and they're asking this guy to compete for playoff opportunities. He's going up against Alabama. He's going up against LSU. Ole Miss is on the up. Even Auburn at times during his tenure there was playing championship-level football. Mississippi State under Mike Leach was never an easy out. Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin wasn't an easy out. Sam Pittman had it going for a minute at Arkansas. This is a tough division of college football. But I understand Jimbo Fisher wasn't paid the money he was paid to make bowl eligibility. Which, by the way, I find it absurd when you hear uh, people say, well, we're bowl eligible. It takes six wins. Like, bowl eligibility now is six wins. That six and six is 500, which by definition is mediocre. So I get it. People not happy with, with, with A&M again. And Jimbo Fisher making a comment about bowl eligibility. You got to look big picture. The rest of the way for them. Big one next week at Ole Miss. That's another big game in the SEC. If I'm Lane Kiffin, you've got a better team this year, but that's a team you don't want to face in Texas A&M because you know what kind of talent they have. Then they've got Mississippi State, Abilene Christian, and LSU. If I look at this schedule, just based on looking at it, you got two more wins, Mississippi State, Abilene Christian, Ole Miss, LSU. That's a tough ask, seven and five. Is that going to be enough to get done? I don't know, but I just – who, why Why would you try to pay your $70 million to get out of this? Who's better? And we're going to start having those conversations over the next few months of, of coaches on the hot seat. If you're going to make a move and move on from your current head coach, think big picture. Who out there is better? I don't think Texas A&M should be in a position to want to move on from Jimbo Fisher. I just don't. He recruits at a high level. It's eventually going to come together. 
But again, he coaches in the toughest division in college football. And oh, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma are coming. It's going to be tougher. It's a fascinating time in college football. I can go an hour talking about uh, where we are headed in this sport, but here's what I know we're headed right now. The first college football playoff rankings, the final month of the season, we're a Bloody Mary Sunday away from being able to give each other some therapy over another exciting college football Saturday. 